Welcome, everyone, to Homeschool.com's 2007 Winter Homeschooling Teleconference. We have an excellent lineup for you this week, and so happy to have you on the call. Uh, our guests this week include Mark Crothers. He's going to talk about the importance of the advanced placement exam. Later on today, we're going to talk with Dr. Mick Hall about Let's Stop Illness Now. He is a naturopath and has excellent advice on simple changes we can make to our, our diet to improve our health. Tomorrow on Tuesday, we'll be uh, talking with Dr. Bruce Fife about the miracle of coconut oil. And tomorrow later on, we'll talk about how to finish a textbook in half the time with twice the comprehension. I have heard uh, Dr. Cooney Beasley speak on this topic before, and boy, it is really excellent. You're going to want to have a notepad and pen available for that. On Wednesday, we'll be talking about ways to make your homeschooling more fun with Gail DiGiulio. She is the founder of Simply Fun. I suppose we should probably all could all use a little extra fun in our homeschooling to get rid of the midwinter blahs. Uh, later on Wednesday, we'll be speaking about how to create your own video games and digital art and music. Then on Thursday, our last two interviews are uh, how to help your child ace the SAT and other exams. We're interviewing Joanne Calderwood, who has had phenomenal results with all of her children. So, boy, she knows um, the, the skinny on how to get high test exams for the SAT and ACT. And then our last interview for the week will be with Pat Wyman, a very popular homeschool.com guest, and she's going to be speaking about how to win the school game. So our first interview this afternoon, this evening for you on the East Coast, is with Mark Crothers. We're going to be talking about the advanced placement exams for uh, high school homeschoolers. Uh, at homeschool.com, we have seen a shift over the last couple of years. It used to be that we had more elementary school homeschoolers coming into the site, but now we're seeing that we have um, primarily high school homeschoolers. So um, Mark is going to shed some light on to, to us on the importance of these advanced placements exams. So uh, Mark Crothers is a California credential teacher. He has been success successfully teaching AP classes to homeschoolers for the last five years and public and private schoolers for the last seven years. He has been a teacher for 16 years in both public and private schools. He has earned recognition from Who's Who and America's Teachers in 2003, 2004, and 2005. He is also a Disney Award nominee in 2001. His pass rate with homeschoolers so far is 100%, with 80% earning a 4 or 5. Those are the top scores on the AP exam. Mark teaches AP U.S. History, AP European History, and AP American Government and Politics. He is also an exam reader for the AP U.S. History exam, so he's one of the people who are reading the exams and grading it. So I really feel like he's one of the foremost experts in the country on the advanced placement exams. So, Mark, thank you very much for being with us today and for your time. It's my pleasure to be here, Rebecca. Well, uh, my oldest child is uh, now homeschool, homeschooling through high school. He'll be 16 next month, and I'm learning all of this uh, brand new. So, uh, and the AP exam, I really didn't know that much about it before, so I'm so grateful for you to talk about it because I suspect that there are a lot of homeschoolers on the line who uh, this is a new topic for them and an important topic. So can you start out in the very basics and kind of give us a primer, like an advanced placement 101, if you would? And I suppose the um, uh, best place to start is by talking about the College Board. There is collegeboard.com. So can you tell us 
what is or who is the College Board? Yeah, the College Board is an organization that was founded in 1900, and it was created as a not-for-profit membership or, uh, association. And the primary mission of the College Board is to connect students to college success and opportunity. The association, it includes about 5,000 schools, colleges and universities, and other educational organizations. Uh, it serves about 7 million students and their parents, not necessarily all AP. It could be SAT. It could be all kinds of other org- uh, programs. You mentioned the SAT and ACT. They're the ones who run that, too, by the way. Um, it also serves about 23,000 high schools and 3,500 colleges. And their services are focused in about seven areas. Uh, one, college admissions, um, the best way to approach college, how to prepare for college, uh, and, and also how to do well in college, guidance, which, inc- which is included in that. Also assessment. The SAT, by the way, basically is an assessment. The ACT is an assessment to see how well, you know, how prepared you are for college, where you, you know, just how you would be able and how well you would be able to function in college. Also, there's quite a bit on financial aid that they provide uh, and learning, and that's where I come in, and part of their learning program is the Advanced Placement Program. And that's one of the best-known programs that they provide, and that also includes, by the way, as you mentioned, the SAT, the PSAT, and the S, the ACT. And overall, the principles is excellence, which is something that I hold dear to my heart, and equity. The College Board is nonprofit. It's private. They just want to help as many people as they can. They don't care about race. They don't care about socioeconomic status. They just want to help as many people as they can and as many students as they can because they believe that everyone can succeed. So that's a pretty good overview. Oh, excuse me, Mark, for talking over you. That's okay. What is the web address for the College Board? Is it collegeboard.com? Yes, it is, as a matter of fact. It's www, as you could probably imagine, .collegeboard.com. And it's a huge website with a, a tremendous amount of information. So, for example, if you had a child who wanted to be a video game designer... They could go in there and do a search to find out those universities who offer that major? You know, the College Board does have a lot of information on universities. I mean, if you were really interested in, in what university does well with certain, organ, with certain kinds of programs, I would suggest Princeton Review. They also have a large uh, website that kind of can direct you, plus they have their own publications. But I think any parent who is looking to put their their child into a university certainly needs to just start with the college board. Well, that's excellent. So then, Mark, uh, the natural next question then is, what is advanced placement? Yeah, the advanced placement was started in 1955 by the College Board. So, you know, 50 years into their history, they decided that they needed a program to help high school students start to earn college credit, uh, start to prepare for college while they're in high school. So the AP program, or Advanced Placement Program, consists of 34 courses in 19 subject areas, and... uh, they're rigorous. It's, you know, it is a performance-based exam. It's not necessarily an easy exam. But if the student passes the AP exam, we can talk more about that later, what, what, a pass, what passing means. 
then the student earns credit. They can earn advanced placement or both. In other words, if you pass the AP exam in an area that you choose, maybe a math or like calculus AP, uh, AP calculus AB or maybe AP biology or what I teach, AP U.S. history or AP European history, you've actually earned credit. You walk into college already with that completed and you don't have to take it again. So you earn high school credit and you earn college credit at the same time. Also, by the way, the AP program is a very large cooperative effort. There are a large number of universities and colleges, including the top ones that you could think of, like Harvard and Stanford and Princeton, who contribute to the program. They, the, this cooperative effort designs the program, designs the test. Each, every single subject area has its own a board that oversees the management of that particular course, like APUS will have a, a board that oversees what's asked and how it's asked and what, what the requirement should be. Uh, AP Bi would have uh, college and high school te- uh, professors and teachers, again, would, would oversee that particular curriculum. And it's, it's overall, it's, it's just designed to help students gain college-level skills uh, and to earn college credit while they're still in high school. And as I've discovered, it's, very, it's particularly apropos to homeschooling students because you have that time, and, you, and a lot of homeschoolers are very advanced, have already, are already very good readers, have already developed their writing skills. It's, it's really a great I think a perfect segue into the into the universities through the through the AP program. When I was um, a high school student, Mark. Yes. Uh, we we didn't have AP classes. We had honors English. Right. What's the difference between an AP class and an honors class? An honors class means that the school has decided to create a, a class, and then that class will be created by the teacher that they select to teach it. That'll be a higher level than a regular, let's say, English class. An AP class is different. That is a curriculum created by the College Board and by the Board of Teachers and Professors that oversee that particular discipline, like, like science or biology or chemistry or U.S. history. The honors class is, is more advanced, but it doesn't give you any, it doesn't give you extra credit, it doesn't give you a chance to earn college credit, and it doesn't give you an advanced status when you go to uh, your college or your university. Plus, I suppose a college doesn't know how rigorous that particular school is. That's exactly correct. Uh, uh, One school's honor class would probably, you know, for other schools, be considered a basic class. It, it, It really totally depends on the teacher. Now, AP, they completely understand what AP is. They know the curriculum. And they're either, they're very aware if a student is able to perform at a four or five exactly what that student knows. Are there any studies that show superior student performance as a result of advanced placement coursework by high school students? Oh, yes, there's quite a few. If you were to go to the College Board website, you can go to a place called actually AP Central will give it to you, which is part of the College Board. And it will have a list of all kinds. Every single year, the College Board does massive research. They pay, I mean, it's, this is a large organization, and they'll keep a record of how many students in California took the AP US and AP chemistry exams, and how, how many scored a five, and how many scored a four. And they'll, they'll actually track these students, and how does, you know, how well did they perform in college when they took an AP class? And I'll just give you some studies here. The U.S. Department of Education in 1999 had a study, and they were trying to understand what 
you know, what would help a student do well. And, and what they came up with was the number one predictor was rigorous high school study, like AP. And they discovered that that was the best predictor of how well a student would do in college is, is if they took rigorous courses in high school. And AP, in particular, they stated was the best course that they had come across. Um, and another study by Willingham and Morris and also University of Texas study found out that through tracking uh, eight students who had taken AP classes in high school that they were better prepared academically, they were more likely to choose challenging majors, they were more likely to complete more college-level work, uh, they were also likely to perform significantly better in their classes than students who did not take AP courses. They were also discovered that these AP students tended to take on leadership positions in the, in the college and in life. And they also discovered that many of these students uh, end up with double majors. So they'll major in a science and maybe in an English or business in English and not just do one major but two. And also those who take AP classes they discovered were, were twice as likely to go on and earn a master's and a Ph.D., than those who did not earn any AP classes. Uh, uh, there's a, one more study, and if you want to ask me any more questions, I have I have a few more, but I'll just give you one more. Um, there is another uh, study in 2003 by Cameron Wayne, uh, which is a, kind of a research organization, and they found out that there was a strong correlation between AP performance and graduation rates in times and I just wanted to give you a quick statistics. Uh, they discovered that 61% of high school students who pass two AP exams will graduate from college in four years or less. They also discovered that 45% of high school students who pass one AP exam will graduate in four years or less. And for the general non-AP population that, that have not, they found out that only 29% will graduate from college in four years or less. And also they found, they discovered that students who take AP courses and exams are much more likely to graduate at all. I don't know if you know, but only 50% of those who go to university will actually graduate at all with a bachelor's degree. The other 50% will drop out. Oh, but they've discovered that. those with AP courses have like an 80% graduation rate, whether it be four years or five or however long it takes them. Oh, I knew that college was taking longer than four years these days, but I didn't know there was such a high dropout rate. Yes, it's actually a big problem. I mean, it's very easy for someone to say they want to go to college. I mean, everybody says that, but are they prepared, you know, to go? Are they prepared to do the work? So college admissions is so competitive nowadays. So when a college admissions officer is looking at an application, I assume it must help to have a student with high SAT scores and AP exams. Yes, uh, the top two... And the Princeton Review, by the way, will tell you this as well, because Princeton Review is another big organization that, that's very much about colleges and, and high school connecting to success in college. The number, one, uh, the number one thing a college admission officer looks at is the type of classes the student took in high school, and in particular AP and honor classes. Again, as we said, an honors class could be anything the teacher wants it to be. Uh, an AP class is not so. An AP class is a, is a worldwide curriculum, and the standard is set by a third party that are expert in their subject area. And then the second is the SAT. You know, like, again, a student says, yes, they want to go to university, but they never take any honors or AP classes. 
while what they say and what they're doing are two different things because the college knows if they've taken AP uh, that they're, they're probably ready, especially if they've passed the test. So when you say um, types of classes, if a student has AP classes or AP exams, do they have to have honors classes as well, or is it one or the other? No, it, it, it depends. Some college, so excuse me, some high schools, and I, you know, I, I'm a high school teacher now. I'm a full-time public school high school teacher in California, just for your listeners. And sometimes there will be an honors and AP class offered in the same uh, discipline like English, but often it just depends on what the high school is willing to pay for, what the district is willing to pay for. If they want to have an an honors class and an AP class in the same discipline, they can. Some high schools will not have an honors class at all and only have a regular class and an AP class. It really is up to the, it's really up to the high school and the district that the high school is a part of. So if a student on their application, they have AP classes and AP exams, but no honors courses, will that hurt them? Oh, no, it'll help them because it, the, the admissions officers are very aware of the fact that either they take AP or they take a regular class. It, often there is no honors class in that, in that subject area. Okay, so they're interchangeable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But again, as I was saying, honors classes are not the same thing as AP classes. And usually an AP class is far advanced beyond an honors class. What are some of the other benefits of taking advanced placement classes? Yeah, well, uh, there's quite a few. Uh, I was just giving you some of this graduation rate and, you know, success in college. But another benefit is, is that you don't have to take the class again. If you graduate from high school or, excuse me, from college earlier, you're saving yourself a tremendous amount of money, and colleges are as expensive, expensive as ever. Uh, also, you get scholarship help. If there are many uh, scholarships that are, you know, earmarked depending on how well they did in their academic studies, and if you've done AP, that will be very helpful. Um, also, we have discovered now, this is a little bit recent, I don't know if your your listeners are aware, but the SAT-1 has changed, and they have added a writing element, and they'll usually ask you something about your life, and they'll give you a very specific time period, a time frame, and then how many pages they want. Well, we've been discovering, because this is new, that the AP rubric for AP U.S. History is doing very well for the SAT-1. So, in effect, when you're studying for an AP, let's say AP US or AP Euro, European History, that writing rubric, because my students, for example, learn a very specific way to write, we've been using that for the SAT-1 and have been having some pretty big success. Also, by the way, the APs are very good preparation for the SAT-2s, which you're, if, you're, if your listeners don't know is a um, content-based SAT, for example, SAT-2 for English composition or SAT-2 for U.S. history or SAT-2 for calculus. And believe it, there's Latin and everything else that's out there. Well, if you're taking an AP class, you're preparing for the SAT-2s as well, and you're also preparing for the SAT-1s. So not only are you getting college credit if you pass, of course, you have to pass, but also you're, you're actually preparing for other exams that are very important uh, to the, to the college-bound student. Now, the SAT-2 sounds a lot like the AP exam. How are they different? Yeah, it's a good question. 
the SAT2s are required by the UC system, basically, the, and that means the University of California system. And what they require is, and I, because I've been teaching seniors for 11 years, I just know this. They just want it. They want a student to select an SAT2 of their choice for content-based, and then they're required to do a math and an English to help place that student. And it is similar because the College Board does write the SAT2 exams like they write the AP exams. So they are very uh, similar, but the SAT2 will not give you credit because it's not necessarily a, a, a curriculum. It's just to see how high is your math? How high is your English skills? You know, how how well do you know your U.S. history, let's say, to, because you're saying you maybe want to become a history major or an economics major. So it's just how advanced are you? Where should you be placed? Oh, thank you, Mark. Let mm -hmm. me make sure I understand this. Let's sure. say, for example, you have a child who's taking an AP Lit course, mm -hmm. and uh, they take the exam in May, and they pass. Okay. So that means now they do not have to take the like freshman English class in college. Yes, it's exactly right. Um, there are ninety. I didn't tell you this, uh, but ninety percent of all universities in this country accept AP exams. There's only a small percentage that will not give credit for it. So if you pass the AP exam with a four or five, we have we haven't really talked about the different scoring yet, but a four or five in particular you will walk right through freshman English. You'll be done, and you'll move on to sophomore English or maybe even upperclassman English. You don't have to take it. Now, how is the AP exam different from the CLEP exam? Because the CLEP allows you to CLEP out of classes so that you don't have to take them. Yeah, the CLEP exam, again, I think it's the, yeah, it's the same organization. It's just, it's just what do you know? I mean, you do have people who are very knowledgeable in math or science that have been studying on their own or have done very well in high school and then later on in college they want to see if they can they can as they would say clep out of the class uh because they're proven that they know the knowledge but it's not it's all it's doing is is saying okay here's an exam and we're testing to see how well do they know their math or how well do they know their english or how well do they know their history so they don't have to actually take the class when but it's not again it doesn't give you necessarily credit it really depends on the universities when you're applying to a university, um, does it help to have a CLEP scores or have passed, have CLEP out of classes on your application? Well, you, what you would do is you would be accepted to the university and then you would get there and then CLEP out of the ah. test is my basic understanding because I've never had, and I, I've probably taught 2,000 students, maybe 2,500 students in my career, and none of them have ever taken a CLEP test as a high school student. But when they went to, when they arrived at the university, some universities do have a CLEP program, not all do, and then they say, okay, I really think I'm, I'm knowledgeable in this area. I'd like to clap out of it. And then the university would provide them uh, a way to take the clap. They would have a proctor, and, and then they would, they would, as they say, clap out of it. But they would be at the university already. Okay. Oh, this is excellent. You're helping so much. So are, uh, is the, are the advanced placement exams popular with students and parents as well? Yeah, it's actually kind of interesting. Uh, there are a lot of there are a number of parents out there that are very aware of the AP program, that are very aware of what college admissions officers want. Their students or their their children, students are very aware as well. So it's growing very fast. In fact, uh, I think it's the fastest growing of all of the college boards programs. If you were to go on their website, you could see this more, but. 
basically it's uh, there are 68 new international universities that now are accepting AP exams, uh, and there are more and more international students that are taking AP classes and AP exams and taking it worldwide. It's actually almost like a phenomena, and there's a there. You know, if you're competitive, if you are a competitive student and your parents want you to do well, you're taking AP. You're definitely taking AP. You're taking one, two, three, four AP classes. Some take many more because there are actually 34 AP classes. Um, those are the competitive parents. Those are the students who really want to show their stuff and really show what they know and to get credit before they go to college. So it's growing in tremendous popularity. Well, it makes sense, too, for homeschoolers because the college admissions office, they don't know the quality of our English class that we taught to our child. That's exactly right. In fact, that's what, that was part of what gave me my little idea about seven years ago when I started thinking about this. And what actually got me to think about homeschooling is I had a phone call. I was a teacher at a private school up north, not too far from where you are. And they asked me, could their daughter take the test? And I said, sure, you know, that's fine. And she didn't pass. And then it just said, well, this is interesting. And, and then I started learning more about homeschooling. And, I, and then a couple of years later, I started to do more research and just kind of started teaching homeschoolers with just a couple of students. Now we've, we're teaching, I think, over 50 now so far, uh, including this year. And they've done, they've done very well. And we have discovered that it validates. In other words, you know, what validates what a student knows or what, what their level is? Well, when you're, as a parent, or if you're with an ISP, you send in these transcripts, you know, and they see that mom or dad gave these grades. They don't really know what that means. But if you take an AP test and you pass it with a four or five, they completely know what that means. And not only are you getting credit, or a three, two, three is passing, you're not only getting credit for the class, but you just showed them, okay, uh, this person's completely ready for college. And we've had students with four AP exams under their belt. I can just tell you a couple of stories. I, I had a student, several students who passed an AP exam with a four or five. They'll walk into a junior college and they'll be 16 years old. And they'll say, well, have you taken any college courses before? And my student will say, yes, I took AP. I said, really? Yeah, I got a five on AP. I said, okay, what course do you want? I mean, at, after that point, the conversation ends, and they just give you whatever you want because you've shown you can do the work. So when you and I spoke before the interview, before this call, you had some very interesting statistics on the and how taking the AP exam sets you apart, like only a certain percentage of the students in the country pass one exam and a certain percentage with two or three, and why right. that's so beneficial to you. Can you give our uh, listeners those um, percentage rates again? Sure. Uh, it's, it's interesting. Um, depends on the state, but the average is that around the country, only 15% of high schoolers will take one AP exam in their high school career, uh, and then there are two exceptions. New York is 20%, and I believe Massachusetts is 20%. And then out of the 15% or so, 16%, and it, it's growing every year, so it probably has grown since this statistic was, was um, learned, you know, as they did their research, 12% will actually pass one AP exam with a three or better in their high school career. Out of all, if you can imagine, out of all the high school students across the country, only 12% will pass one AP exam with a three or better. And so if the homeschoolers, 
you know, take one exam and then pass, and then take another exam. Every time they take an exam and pass it, and then, you know, the higher the score and the more exams they take, the higher in the echelon of students they rise. Because the universities are very, very aware of this. They don't say anything, because I've talked to UC admissions officers and Cal State admissions officers, but as you take more and more, you are reaching into a higher and higher echelon. For example, you can't get into Stanford unless you've taken at least two AP exams and passed with fours and fives. You can't get into Harvard without it. In fact, they because you just haven't validated. The SATs are very helpful, but they really are requiring more than just that. So as they pass AP exams, take the, take the class, self-study or take it online or, you know, find, make other arrangements and then pass these exams. When you pass one, you just put yourself in the top 12% of all students in the country once you've done that. And when you pass your second one and your third, and what, by the way, once you pass three AP exams, you become what's called an AP scholar. When you pass three AP exams of the four with a 3.5 average, and there are, you know, a few students who do that. It's, 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 it's probably maybe six or seven percent of all students will become scholars. And not only do you get the credit, but you get the distinction of being an AP scholar. And, and universities recognize that. They'll put you at the top of their list. They'll send you letters asking you to apply. It's, it's often very likely you'll get scholarships. I mean, we have a student who is on scholarship right now to Steubenville. I have another student who got an early acceptance to William and Mary in Virginia. Uh, you know, and these, it just by passing an AP exam or two. Uh, it's amazing. So what percentage uh, if you're an AP scholar, what percentage does that put you in then? Probably about 6%, the top 6 or 7%. Wow. And that's and to pass, then let's talk a little bit about the scoring then, please. Yeah. So it sounds like the scoring is between um, 1 and 5. Yes. Okay. And a 1 is not passing. Right. And a 2 is squeaking by? No, 2 is not passing either. And I, actually, the 2 is a little bit controversial, is my understanding. The A College Board is trying to convince colleges to consider A2 because it is pretty rigorous, but I can tell you at this point there is no college in the country, in our country, that will accept an AP score of a 2. So they're looking for a 3, a 4, or a 5. That is correct. And you said uh, Stanford and Harvard, for example, they're looking for a student to pass two exams with either a four or a five. Yeah, that's, and you can't, if you don't, if you wanted to go to, let's say, UC Berkeley or, not UC Berkeley, excuse me, because it's part of the UC system. If you wanted to go to Stanford or Harvard or Princeton, you know, the Ivy Leagues and maybe, you know, anything else that's higher level, they'll, you, they'll require a four and a five, but, you know, they will accept it. You will get credit and they will give you advanced standing when you pass, uh, and, and I don't know of any student, and I have a student who got into Stanford, who, and she had, I was her teacher for two different exams, AP US and AP Euro, and she had a four and a five, and she was a basketball player and all this other stuff, but she had three exams under her belt, and she was taking one more her senior year, and I don't know what happened, but she did get accepted. That's what they require to get into those, to those schools. Okay, so really we want our, our students, our children, to pass three exams. Yes, that I think would be an outstanding goal. I think it's very doable. Um, you just, you know, make your choices. I think that the social sciences and the English areas are very much pretty easy to pass. I don't think that they're, if you do the work, I mean, these are not easy exams, 
but it's not like calculus that requires a tremendous amount of of work before you can even take a what would be called AP Calculus AB or AP Calculus BC. Um, you can jump into this class, and most of our I've discovered most of my homeschoolers are a couple of three years ahead of my public schoolers. Is you know not every in every instant, but pretty commonly. And they do pretty well, and they pass, and we have several AP scholars as it is now. In fact, thank you for clarifying that. I, I want to ask you again, does it matter which subjects the tests are in? Well, it, you, there's you no question. Some, oh, go ahead. Some subjects have a higher pass rate than others. Right. You're right, and it's all online if you wanted to take some time to look. Um, I can tell you that the, the government <laughs> – like uh, No Child Left Behind, you know, the Bush program, or uh, other organizations really are pushing math and science. They believe that there is a lack in math and science. And that I happen to not be a math teacher or a science teacher. I'm a social science teacher. But just three exams does it. I would, I would say that if you have a student who really loves science, they should take AP Bio, AP Chemistry, AP Physics. Okay. They're all APs. If you love English, there's AP English Literature. There's AP English Language. Uh, and, of course, if you love history, which a lot of students, the number one AP taken is AP U.S. History. And it has a 50% pass rate. So, if, again, I know I'm stating the obvious here, but 50% fail it <laughs> and 50% pass it. It's not an easy exam. Except I have my nephew who is taking who was taking AP history class at his high school mm-hmm. and it seems like none of the kids in his class passed the test. And and there and these were kids who had um, passed other AP exams. So I'm I'm guessing that they probably did not have a teacher who was helping them prepare very well for the exam. Yes, it's very likely that that's the case. I am a trained teacher. I have been to seminars my you know my school uh, in the past, I, I've been I've been a few schools have paid for me to go to these seminars. They're a thousand dollars to go to. So, um, you know, I and then the teacher has to work very hard and very diligently to prepare themselves to to teach these classes. It requires a lot of dedication. It requires the teacher to be on task, and the teacher themselves must know their material very well to teach the class. Uh, and they have to love it. I'm hoping, you know, it's a, it's a bad place to put a teacher if they don't want to teach the class. It's also possible they just wanted to have an AP class, so they just said, here, you teach it. Well, the college board does not like that at all, and they get very ir- irritated with schools who, who play that game. So it's likely. I don't know for sure. Obviously, I don't know the case, but it's possible. This is tough on those kids, darn it, who took the class. And then they don't get to have that exam to kind of back it up. That's exactly right, and it is frustrating. The basic way I look at it is if you've been preparing and you've been doing all the work and your teacher knows what they're doing and you've been working, you've been doing your part, you should pass. Um, A student who thinks they should pass and does not pass, that's a problem. That means they're misinformed. The teacher may not be teaching at the standard that is necessary to be successful, uh, you know, it could be a few different things. But, you know, if my students don't pass, now my home schools have a 100% pass rate so far. That's true. But my public school side, that's not the case. Uh, I still have many who pass. But those who don't pass, you know, they're not surprised. But if you have a bunch of kids who are surprised that they didn't pass, then something's wrong. 
So students generally apply to college their junior year. Yes. So in a perfect world, let's say they would take and pass one AP exam their sophomore year and then two their junior year, and that would make them AP scholars? Yes, and that's, uh, by the way, I think that's where the homeschoolers have an advantage because most high schools only offer AP their junior and senior year. So here you go into your junior year. My high school's not really any different. You go into your junior year and you take three APs because it's the only time you can take it. You can't do three APs in a year. It's too much. But there's nothing offered before their junior year, right? So the homeschoolers, I am saying from my experience, once they hit high school, and I have an eighth grader, by the way, taking AP US with me right now, um, they can start preparing themselves for sure once they hit their sophomore year. Take your very first year, take one AP to get yourself, and I call you an AP veteran at that point once you've taken one. Uh, and then you're prepared to take a couple more. And that's where I think homeschoolers could really do well because by the time they graduate their junior year, you know, from not graduate from their, from junior to senior year as they, as they matriculate up to their senior year, they could have three or four AP exams. Most public school students and many private school students will not have that because they haven't had the opportunity. There are very, there are many wonderfully bright public and uh, private students. You know, just a tremendous number, but the opportunity is often not there where homeschoolers can get started on it once they hit high school. Okay, let's say, for example, you have, so you get a high school, you pass three AP exams. And that triggers something for the colleges. And then yes. uh, studying for the AP class and the exam makes you a better writer and a better test taker. So let's say you get a high SAT score as well. Yeah, it's actually, it, there, we, I didn't want to say it because I, there are no guarantees, but we have noticed that our kids just do better in general on the SATs. And it's we ace the SAT twos. We just, our students who take AP US, we get 780, 770 out of 800 regularly. Uh, it's amazing how well we do on those. So the AP exams are only offered in May? Yes, they're and only in May. Um, it's the first two weeks of May. I'm sorry, Mark. It's okay. There's a little bit of a delay on the call, so I'm talking over you. I don't mean to be rude. So, okay, so, but you have to register for the AP exam in February in order to, be take, it, to take it in May. Yes, the way it works is... To take an AP exam, you have to take it at a test site. And the reason why is because the College Board obviously doesn't want people to cheat. So every high school you can think of, public high school, is an accredited high school, so they will have AP. And, and most private schools, most private high schools will also be AP sites. All they have to really be is accredited. And the College Board is rethinking this, I think, right now, because they know they have more and more homeschoolers who are taking these tests. So you would call your local high school administrator and you would ask, could I please talk to the AP coordinator? And believe me, they will have one because the college board requires them to have one. Oh, okay. And that, uh, that coordinator will tell you what to do from there. And they'll say, okay, please call me back in two weeks. And then they say, okay, now here's, you need to come to the school. Let me give you the forms. And then you would take the forms home and fill them out. Then you'll pay for the exam. And this year the exam is $83. And the high school will take that money, put it in a group of all this, all the money that they get, and then they'll send one big check to uh, an organization called ETS, Educational Testing Services, who run the actual testing. 
and then you're set, and then you just keep studying, and uh, then you go in and take your test. Every single test has a, has a date and a time, and it's very it's broadcast. It's on the it's it's on all their literature. It's on it. The AP coordinator will tell you, and you know everything else they need to have for exam security. It's been no problem at all. We take our AP exam at our local public high school. Okay, and then there's some system then that the colleges are able to find out who is scoring high, and then they send you invitations yeah. to, to apply yes, to the university. Yes, that's exactly right. Uh, we it was actually something that I wasn't expecting, but what ha- has happened is. Once a student passes one AP exam with a four or five, they start getting a lot of letters from all kinds of colleges asking them to apply to their college because they have just proven themselves to be college-level material. And I don't know how they get these lists, but they do. Believe me, they do. I have students with drawers full of letters from universities all over the country asking them to apply. Uh, most most of the time you won't get state universities doing this because they already have so many students who are trying to get in because the tuition's a little bit cheaper or a lot cheaper. So you'll mostly get private universities all over the country inviting you to apply. But I don't understand how the timing works for this because you you can't have passed three exams until you know May of your junior year supposedly, mm-hmm. and you start applying for colleges in the spring before you take those final two exams. How does that work? Well, uh, all of my seniors, uh, the, the basic way it's done, and as I said to you, I've been teaching seniors for 11 years now. This is my 11th year. They, they all apply in the fall of their senior year. Um, their junior year is about taking SATs. It's about, you know, it's usually a tough year for a lot of public and private school students. And then they've taken a one or two APs maybe, or maybe even more if they've been able to take it their sophomore or freshman year. And then that's all been finished. It's all been completed that soft, that, that the end of the junior year. And then the, the fall of the senior year is when most students are already applying. Okay. Uh, for their for the university, so maybe junior year is when you're touring campuses. And exactly right, parts. and you have your first choice, your second choice, your third choice, and so on. Well, since you're kind of in the ends with the college board, um, do you know um, how they feel about homeschoolers? Yes, um, the college board has made it very, very clear they are open to anybody who wants to challenge themselves. The only requirement is, is is that you want to take the test, that you want to take on the curriculum. There's really no special test. In fact, the College Board discourages high schools from giving, you know, special tests and, and this and that to accept somebody in their honors or AP program. The College Board has made it very clear that they really want any student who wants to challenge themselves should be allowed to take these tests. And, in fact, uh, for homeschoolers, um, they have a special section on their website. They have also, when they send out a bulletin every year, they send out a bulletin that talks about the exams coming up that year, and we've already received ours, and they're sitting on my desk in my classroom. And it has a special section just for homeschoolers, uh, talking about how, you know, the process and, 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 and how to get a hold of a coordinator and what the College Board requires. The College Board has been very kind to homeschoolers, and they're very open to homeschoolers. The College Board is about e- equity, equality. The College Board is, is completely the opposite of elitism. Anybody who wants to 
challenge themselves. The College Board has made it very clear should be allowed to, to pursue AP studies and take an AP exam. It used to be that just being a homeschooler made you unique and you would stand out in the college application process. But now there are so many homeschoolers that we're just one of the numbers. So I, I suspect that homeschoolers need these high test exams and these AP exams in order to just to compete, much less stand out. Yes, um, it's there's a lot of competition out there. America, as I'm an economics teacher as well, and I would say America is the most competitive nation on earth, bar none. There's no question that they are, and we have been for about 200 years. Um, there are students out there who are competing for the best colleges. There are colleges out there who are competing for the best students. There's no question that competition is a very important part of getting into the better colleges. If students don't do good, decent work in high school, okay, they'll go to a JC. And we're not saying the JCs are bad. We actually think that a student should do both, a, a high school student who's a homeschooler, should go to their local uh, junior college when they're 16 is usually when the law lets them go, and then up to that point, maybe take an AP exam, take a course and take an AP exam their freshman and sophomore year. By the time they apply, they want to go to a junior college, they'll say, yes, come on in. What do you want to do? Because you've already passed an AP exam, and, you know, you pursue maybe a math or science or a lab that you can't quite get access to as a homeschooler, and you take maybe an AP exam in English or social science or math, if that's, your, if that's your interest, and you do it together because a junior college does not distinguish you. There are lots of students who go to junior college or 19, 20, 21 that are coming out of high school. What distinguishes students are outstanding SAT scores and taking and passing AP exams. That's what distinguishes students. Because the university doesn't know how challenging the junior college classes are either. Yes, it, it lets, the honest truth is sometimes a student will say it was just like high school. Um, and I've had many students say that to me. And I, again, I, but I've had students say the junior college course was very, very good. Uh, it, it really just depends. They don't know what that is. They don't know what an A in local junior college is, but they know what it, they know what a five or a four is in macroeconomics. I can promise you that. How can homeschoolers find uh, AP classes, especially with a teacher who has a good AP uh, pass rate? Well, uh, believe it or not, there are more and more organizations that are online that are offering these courses. All you have to do is just put in, put in the search homeschool advanced placement and you'll start to see, uh, you know, what's out there. My organization does too, and I know you're thinking, okay, well, how do I take, if you were interested in our organization, well, how do we do that? Well, what we have that I think is unique is we're, we're experimenting with brand new technology. I, I have not been satisfied with the excellence of the online technology so far, IMing, emailing, and so on. And I've been waiting for technology to catch up with need, and finally it has, and I was able to partner with a company called Author Gen, and they've, been, they've basically, in, not invented, but they've created some new technology that allows you, and your son is in one of our classes, that allows you to see the teacher. It allows the teacher to put up PowerPoints, Microsoft Word documents, PDF files. Everybody can talk. You can all hear each other. It's kind of like um, in this new technology that's evolving, and it's getting better every, every month. 
uh, every year. Um, it's like being in a cyber room, in a real virtual class. I mean, up to this point, I just haven't seen it. But finally, in the last year, I was at a conference, I was at an expo, and I just happened to meet this company that's that's new. And we took it from there, and we've been helping to make it better, and we've been using it. So in the next um, next year, we're going to be offering, I think, much better, excellent, higher-level classes online. You know, and technology is making homeschooling just easier and easier. Like you said, my son is ta- – we live in a small mountain town up in Northern California. But my son can now take with one of the best AP teachers in the country just by going on, clicking on this link – and now he can see the teacher talking. He can see the teacher writing on the right white. I know. It's, isn't it amazing? <laughs> oh, my gosh. The teacher can hear him talking, so the teacher can ask him questions. I mean, it's fabulous. Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. What's been offered so far, Rebecca, that I have seen, because I, you know, I do this at night, and I, it's it's something that I've been doing in addition to my normal public school stu- duties, it's you get access to a teacher, but they're not teaching the class. It's 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 if you have any questions, they'll grade an essay that you wrote, or you'll do some homework, or they'll oversee, you know, your studies. But they're not teaching. You don't have that expertise teaching and explaining and going over and and also being a real teacher. You know, being tough and setting the standards and saying no, this is not good enough. You know what a real good teacher would do. But now, finally, the technology is is there that you can have a teacher. It feels real. You know, obviously, you're you know, you could be a thousand miles away, but you can see them. They can see what you're doing. We can pass information across. We can communicate very well and be very similar to being in the same class. It's pretty neat. So, unlike my poor you know nephew who's stuck with a poor AP history teacher. As a homeschooler, you can find the best teachers out there. Yes, and what you know, what's probably going to happen uh, in the future because the technology is pretty new. I'm talking. I mean, online education is not, is not new, as, you, as probably most people know. But you know, real virtual type of education, that's kind of new. And and I think what will happen is. You know, either Author Jen, the company I work with, or, you know, I also work with EIE Academy, Excellence in Education. They're kind of our umbrella, and they provide us a way to, to give our classes and help me to order books and all the different things that I need to do. With those partners, an AP teacher, you know, in anywhere in the world can offer classes because anybody in the world can take them because you go to the same server. What is your web address, Mark? My web address is www.homeschool-teachers.com. So it's H-O-M-E-S-C-H-O-O-L hyphen, not the one that's an underscore, but the hyphen in the middle level, teachers, T-E-A-C-H-E-R-S dot com. Is it too late for students to sign up for uh, 2007 to pass that exam in May? Uh, for 2007, yes. We, as you know, we started two classes. AP's pretty tough. You know, we really don't we don't really teach semester classes very often. We're experimenting with all that. We feel very comfortable about teaching year long classes. Uh, so yes, I'm sorry. There could be somebody else online that might be interested. Um, and we're still learning about the technology and experimenting with the technology, and it's you know it's awesome and great, and we love it, and it's just interesting to work with. 
But we, you know, we're going to offer, you know, more online classes in the 2007-2008. A student can still find other organizations online that may be willing to take them on. And there's always the self-study. There are, there's, there are books at Borders and Barnes & Noble that can help them prepare. They're willing to be prepared. Oh, that's great, but they have to sign up for the exam in February. Yes, they have to. Their parent, probably not them themselves, but their parent would call their local high school. It could be private. It could be public, whatever you're comfortable with, and be prepared. They may say no, and, and sometimes they do. Uh, you might have to go somewhere else, and we're actually working, figuring out why that's going on. We don't understand it, but sometimes they do say no. So you would just go to another school, and it could be you know anywhere you can drive to on exam day, and then you and then you sign up, and they'll tell you what to do because that's the AP coordinator's job. Their job is to coordinate the AP exam for their school, and often they're willing to help the local homeschooling community, which is growing every day. You could maybe um, hire a tutor and find those AP uh, prep books. Yes, the prep books are, are are good, and also the College Board. If you were to go to the College Board, www.collegeboard.com, and then go to AP Central, they can help you, too. They have books. They have practice exams that you can buy. They actually have exams online. I, I use much of what the College Board and what, the, and, what, and, what the, and what AP Central offers. You can download tests. You can download examples of the tests. It's, it's really amazing. The College Board... And the and AP Central has done a lot to assist people in preparing for their for their tests. And what AP classes are you teaching? And your wife teaches as well. Yes. What classes are the two of you teaching beginning fall of 2008? Okay. In the and well in the fall of 2007. Oh, 2007. Right. For the 2008 exam, I switch back and forth. So this year I'm teaching AP US, and because I'm a full time teacher, I, I really just limit myself to one AP class to make sure I maintain the quality and the excellence of the class. I will be offering AP European History in the fall of 2007 to get ready for the 2008 exam. My wife, Deborah, is going to be offering AP English Literature, AP Psychology, which she still, which she has 100% pass rate. And we're creating a new class called Pre-AP, and it's something we've been working on for a year for middle schoolers. If, 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 if a middle school family, you know, a seventh grader, an eighth grader, a sixth grader, they know that they're interested in going into the AP program. We, we are AP teachers. We know the AP program, and I happen to be an exam reader myself. So I read the AP U.S. History exams, and I've read myself at this point hundreds of different essays over my career as an AP teacher. Um, and we're, we're trying, to, trying to create a curriculum to get them ready to take AP classes uh, in the English and social science in particular, and because we teach them, and we know, and we have some books from the College Board that helps give directions, reading the right kinds of books, the right kind of vocabularies, and that's something that we're trying to work on because we think it'll make it a smoother transition to go into the AP program. Mark, this is just excellent, excellent information. I can't thank you enough for being with us today. We have only five minutes left, but we'll have to take a quick break before our next interview. So we have been speaking with Mark Crothers about the importance of high school homeschoolers passing the AP exams. Uh, Mark, do you mind if we open up the call in case we have one quick question before we start our next interview? That'd be great. Thank you so much again. Hello, callers. If you would, please press, press star 6 to mute your personal phone. 
or Mark, feel free to press uh, star six to come out to speak with him. We have four minutes before we start our next exam, and I know you probably have a lot of questions for him. Hi, I have a question. Yes. Um, you said that international students were taking the AP exam. Yes. How would they go about taking the exam? Well, it's it's actually. Should I answer that, Rebecca? Yes. Let me repeat the question. Okay. Go ahead. Get a good recording. So our caller was wondering about international students. How do they go about taking the AP exam, and is this a good option for them? I think it's a fantastic option. In fact, I think the AP program is growing faster outside the country, outside of the United States, than it is growing inside the country. And I, I think I mentioned before, I'm trying to answer it quick in case we get a chance for another call. There are 68 new universities around the world that are now willing to give credit for AP exams. You would just call your local high school. If you have any problems, you can go on the AP Central part of the College Board website. You can even call them. There's so much support. You can email or call, and they can hook you up with a school near you that, can, that, that will hopefully be offering AP exams. So there is that support out there. Thank you, caller. Did that answer your question? Yes, thank you. And we have time for one more question, please. I have a quick question. Yes. Um, if your student has scored very well on the SAT and the ACT, is there, um, as I have had some students do that, uh, then we have all sorts of Ivy League institutions, you know, just you name it, who are, as you say, competing for um, my students. So what is the advantage, uh, because none of them have requested APs. They, um, you know, take the College Board scores and say, hey, these kids are doing real well. And, you know, even Harvard has not asked my son for APs. I'm just wondering um, how you feel about that aspect. Thank you. Mark? Yes. The question is that uh, she has some students or some children who have, have gotten very high test scores, and uh, universities like Harvard and some of the others are approaching them, and she said none of them have asked for AP exams, and was wondering how you feel about that. Well, you know, obviously col uh, colleges like Harvard and Stanford and Princeton and so on can obviously have their own way of, of offering. If they don't want, if they don't think it's necessary, that's fine. I just happen to know, because I've called Harvard, and I've called the Cal States, and I happen to know that they do like it a lot. The other, the other advantage is, is while they're in high school, they're getting college-level credit. So they've done very well in the SAT, let's say, which is very, very good, and will put them on the radar screen of major universities around the country. And then they'll walk in with advanced standing. They'll still have to take all the freshman classes if they haven't taken any AP classes because they haven't tested out of that necessarily. If you take the AP classes, they'll walk in, and they've taken, let's say, AP English Lit., they're done. They'll, walk, they'll be advanced into the next class or even given credit. So you're also helping them finish college faster. You're also making it easier for them to double major. You're also making it quicker for them to go to graduate school uh, and making it cheaper for yourself, too, because they are willing to give the credit for that. Plus, it sounds, Mark, like the prep for the AP exam is good prep for the exam, too, particularly that new writing section. Yes, uh, we've, that's what we've discovered. The SAT-1's writing section's pretty new, about a year, two years old, but that's what we've noticed so far. Caller, thank you very much for your question. I'm afraid we're out of time. We're going to take a one-minute break.